he could have just kept on tonight with the teaching. It's awesome. Um, Kingdom Life Ministry is such a blessed, yeah, such a blessed ministry. Of course, any ministry the Lord births is blessed. Amen. Any ministry that He births is blessed. And we know that Jesus is Savior and Jesus is Lord in this ministry. He saves from Satan's power and He is Lord over His Word in us. That's the key. Kingdom Life Ministry helps us all get to from the already to the not yet. And to get to the not yet, the Word has to be in our soul, in our mind, in our head. Um, that's the not yet, living the abundant life in Christ. Free. Freedom. Spirit, soul, body, and finance. Most of us are here. They're already living the church life, born-again life. But there's a time that we get real frustrated, and I call it a godly frustration. Because the, the Word is trying to get implanted into here. So once the Word's implanted into here, now Jesus can be Lord over you. He's still Savior until then. But we had someone in our conference, pastor's conference yesterday, that um, I'm telling you, if people don't know the Lord... They better know him now because uh, he is moving quickly. And uh, it's, it's amazing. He spoke to me a few months ago saying, Gene, you wouldn't believe how many are not saved and going to heaven sitting in the pews, sitting in, the che- in, the, in, the, in general, the whole church, because they think they know him, but they just know about him. That's a dangerous place to be just to know about him. That's religion. And you can always tell when someone doesn't have it because the light's not on. Amen? When you see the light come on, it's on. We saw the light come on uh, Friday after I, I was teaching to the pastors. And uh, one of the ladies came up after the service just, just broken, saying, I need Jesus. That's when you know they're ready. I need Jesus. And I had another meeting 10 minutes from that time, so I had to take her in the back office and lead her to the Lord, to the one that I know, the one I have a relationship with. That's the, that's the key. If we have a relationship with him, the Bible says he's a life-giving spirit. So every time we open up our mouth into somebody's life, we ought to be giving them life. Amen? The first Adam was a living soul. But the second Adam is life-giving spirit, and that's Jesus Christ. So his life comes in us at the born-again, regenerated spirit. And a lot of people don't know what born-again means. That means you are born back to God. Your spirit is born back to God. This spirit right here, if you can picture this, this is your spirit. It's got three functions. You see the functions there. Your soul has four functions. When Adam fell in the garden... The spirit fell into the soul, and it became one. That's why the Bible says Adam was a living soul, not a living spirit. But now he's dictated by Satan. There's two gods in the world, Jesus Christ and Satan. So this man's dictated by Satan. He's, he's worried, he's fearful, he lives a life of fear, uh, don't know what's happening next. 
But when, when you ask Jesus in your heart, what happens is that the, the Word of God says the live, Word of God is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of the soul and the spirit. So if they can be divided, they were one. Amen? We're going to agree to that. They were one. So when you accept Christ, who is the Word of God, the separation happens right here. That's why you see him separated here on this, on this uh, vision. Now God's here, dwelling in us, speaking to us, but when he's ready to put his word in us, who is Christ himself, the word of God, all hell breaks loose. And that's how you know it's working. Because the enemy is opposed, resistant to Jesus being implanted in your soul, in your mind, because it's going to change your character. You'll start thinking like God. Like Lee was saying in, in the passage there, we have this earthen treasure that the excellence of the power may be of God, not of us. And we are hard-pressed on every side, but not struck down, crushed, perplexed, but not in despair, struck down, but not destroyed. Because there's a death, and there's a burial, and there's a resurrection constantly taking place. And that's what we've got to understand. To be, able, to be able to get from the already to the not yet, we've got to die to our old ways and then bury them. Amen. I, I asked somebody the other day, I said, how do you know you have a relationship with Christ? And uh, he said, well, I sing in the praise team. I pray. I worship. I help people. That's how I know I have a relationship with Christ. And as I heard him, the Lord said, no, that's not the right answer. That's the fruit. He said, but the right answer is to have a true relationship with Christ is to die with him, be buried with him, and resurrect with him. Amen. Because listen, this is a whole process right here. We had to die to come to him, and then he resurrected in us. So we've got to keep dying and burying so he can resurrect. Keep dying and burying so he can resurrect. That's the life of Christ in us. We're not our own anymore. The Bible says we were bought at a price. And what a great price that was. We was trying to explain, or somebody was trying to explain in the pastor's meeting, how... I think it was Dr. Lee uh, was trying to explain, we can't comprehend. All we are is partaking with his suffering, having fellowship with his suffering. We can't imagine what it felt like to have those nails draw, driven in our hands and feet. There's no way, because the Bible says we cannot comprehend his love. We just have to receive it by faith that he loved us, he died for us, and he came because we could not help ourselves anymore. Amen. That's why he came. It says man could not help himself anymore. And man is still that way today. He can't help himself unless he accepts Christ in his heart. And then that peace comes, that joy comes. But we've titled this message uh, tonight that the Lord gave me. And um, 
And believe me, I don't get up here with just another sermon. I really seek the Lord on these messages. I spend time, lots of time, because it's got to be fresh. Last, last week's sermon won't help me today. It was for yesterday. It was for last week. We apply that word, and it changes our character. This week is a new day, and the mercies of God are new each day. Isn't that beautiful? I don't care how much we mess up. His mercy tracks us down because we're going to mess up. He told me one time, he said, Gene, don't sign up with me because I want everything perfect. He said, don't sign up with me if you don't think you're going to mess up because I'm going to allow you to mess up. Amen? So you'll know that I'm God because I'm the only one that can lift you up. Before Christ came in me, I stayed down. Nobody was lifting me up. But temptation, when it came, it lifted me up. So praise the Lord um, for Kingdom Life Ministry because it is a spiritual equipping ministry. Everybody who is in Christ are ministers. This is what the Bible says. We are all ministers. There are certain ministers that are called to the fivefold office, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. They're in the office of ministry. So that means they're equipping the ones that are in the body of Christ in this, in the, where you're sitting right now for the work of ministry. For the work of ministry is what it says. So we want to work the ministry the right way. And the right way is that God gets the glory and Jesus is out front and not us. Jesus is out front. I tell Jesus, let me hide behind you. I just need to hide behind you. Because if I stay behind him, I'm protected. Because he's got my back, he's got my sides. But the title of the message is, it's on the screen, let's see. Getting Jesus back in the picture. Getting Jesus back in the picture. You remember when he got in the picture at the regenerated born-again experience? He got in the picture of your life. But a lot of us have been in, in, in with Jesus for a long time, and, um, and he's out of the picture. He's a distant figure. And that's why the Lord had me picture this. He said, he said I want you to minister on getting Jesus back into your life and how do you frame your world? How is your life framed? Is it, is, it, is it refreshing? Is the water of life flowing through us? He said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. That's four rivers of living water. It's going to satisfy everything that you need. There they are right there. Phison, Gihon. Hedeko and Euphrates. Phison is the river of prosperity. It's going to cause you to prosper and meet all, uh, reach your goal in everything that you do. Gihon is the river source, source of all supply, which is Jesus. He is the source of all supply. That's why it's in the, in the sole function of the will. We have to choose him. And then the emotions is where we learn 
God and we hear his voice and we can hear him very clearly once those two rivers are flowing because we're not any want anymore. Satan's attracted to our want. Jesus Christ said, for those who uh, uh, keep their eyes on me, there's no want. Because he's supposed to satisfy everything. And then the last river was Euphrates. That's divine protection where the enemy can't touch you. Can't touch you. So that's, that's this life. A refreshed life, constantly flowing. And that's the call on Kingdom Life Ministry is to get all the saints to come through the door right there. Flowing. Flowing in maturity of the spirit. Flowing in maturity of the mind, the character of God. Flowing in the maturity of a healthy body. And flowing in the maturity of financial freedom. Because debt is a curse. And uh, it's a slave master. And this ministry helps you get out of debt by the principles of God. So sometimes we, we have this one, which we stay in darkness. We stay in the trial. We don't know where we're going, how we're getting out. We keep going in circles. But I don't know if you can see that. You can see Jesus' hands right behind the trial. He's there. And the light is piercing. And then when we start obeying the Lord, he comes to rescue don't you love that, how he's reaching down and pulling us up by his saving grace? He rescues. So he wanted me to frame these, and he said, I want you to minister on these tonight. So how do we do that? How do we get Jesus back in the picture from here, back into this refreshed life? What's on the screen? Go to the next one. Not by might, not, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. So it's not by my might, that is force, not by my power, but by his spirit. That's how it gets accomplished. How do I get the spirit to work? Faith. The Bible says faith keeps Jesus living in my heart. Faith keeps Jesus living in my heart. Praise God. So really, our faith should not be in the wisdom of men. The Bible says your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. The only way you can tap into his power is you've got to tap into his spirit. And the only way that you can tap into his spirit is you've got to tap into faith. And it can't be my faith. It can't be faith in somebody else. It's got to be the spirit of faith that comes as you hear the word. You're going to hear the word tonight. And as you hear the word and understand the word, the Bible says the spirit of faith comes. That means it's moving. It's moving. It's coming to you. Why has it come to me? Well, if we understand the definition of faith, faith is a substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. So faith comes to help us believe. Believe. It's the substance of what's hoped for. So the Spirit comes to help us 
believe what we just heard. That's what the spirit of faith, the true faith of God, does for us. It becomes a servant for us. The spirit of faith is our servant. Is what the Bible says it comes to serve. So I'm going to step you through some scriptures tonight. And we're going to go through what I call saving faith, active faith, and conquering faith. There's three faith levels. Saving faith, active faith, and conquering faith. Saving faith gets you plugged into Jesus. Saving faith gets you from being a lost man to being a man alive with God. A lost man tries to fill that hole right there in the center of his heart with relationships, with money, with everything except God, and it doesn't work. So the, the, the saving faith is the faith that comes first to get you to Christ and tapped into the vine. So I'm going to look at Romans. I'm going to read from Romans 10, 9, 10. I'm going to read a few scriptures out of here. Romans 10, 9 says that if you confess with your mouth. See, this is very important. We have to get this tonight because, you know, we are called to grow up in Christ, right? But you know what our main calling is? To win the lost. We got to be sensitive to winning the lost because we get so caught up in growing up in Christ, there could be lost people sitting around us that don't know him. So, and this is the way you do it. This is the pattern to lead someone to Christ. That if you confess with your mouth that Lord Jesus, the Lord Jesus, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. It says, and, and verse 10 says, for the heart one believes unto righteousness. What that means is Christ is the righteousness of God. He has divine access to the Father. So we become the righteousness of God through Christ Jesus. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Salvation means whole. Means whole. Holy means whole. Because God is holy, so therefore he's whole. A lot of people say, well, you're holier than thou. We should say, no, you're whole. Because holy means whole. And the whole point of growing up in Christ is to be in, being whole in him, spirit, soul, and body. So I'm going to read on to uh, verse 11. For the scripture says, whoever believes on him will not be put to shame. And I'm going to go down to verse 13. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then I'm going to go down to verse 17. So then faith comes by hearing, and by hearing the word of God. So faith, whoever just heard those words, faith just came to you. Faith just came to you. So I'm going to, I, what I'm going to get into is a, a model here that it's used. 
to go from faith to faith. It's the same model. To be able to grow up in Christ and become mature in him, we have to use this same model. I thought that was all we did was the first time that was it. I'm just going to meditate on the word, read the word now. Well, that's good because what it's going to do, it's going to cause you to start believing because all hell is going to break loose. And you've got to believe what you were meditating on. Because meditation, med- meditation brings what? Manifestation. The manifestation of God's going to come forth. I'm going to go over to verse 11. Romans 11, 6 says, And if by grace, then it is no longer of works. Otherwise, grace is no longer grace. But it is of works. It is no longer grace. Otherwise, work is no longer work. Come on. Now, if we, knew, if we, if we got a hold of that right there, this journey with Christ would be so easy. Because we got to keep hearing the word. It says, how can they hear without a preacher? So a lot of people are staying away from church because the church is not feeding them anymore spiritually. Well, you got to find a place because there's a place out there. And you got to hear the, the minister ministering out the word. And then faith's going to come. And this is how it's going to work. Faith comes through believing. Grace comes through obeying. Faith comes through believing the word, hearing the word. Grace comes through obeying. So it's not works. We obey and grace comes. So we're fighting a war that we're not supposed to fight. If we were operating in faith and grace, it would be easier. Your suffering would be just on the outside and not on the inside. Because the word of God heals and delivers from destruction from the inside out. The Lord didn't say, obey my word. He said, obey my voice in Deuteronomy 28. He said, if you diligently obey my voice and observe my word and do it, then I will put you high above all people. Blessed shall you be in this city. Blessed shall you be in the country. The whole chapter is about blessing. Blessed shall be the fruit of your body. Blessed shall be your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be a basket. Blessed shall you be coming in. Blessed shall be going out. And when your enemy rises up against you one way and touches you, he flees before you seven ways. He said, you'll be the head and not the tail. You'll lend to many and borrow from none. There's financial freedom right there. And that was one of the last, towards the last part of that chapter. You'll never be the, lend, uh, the, the lender until you get a hold of the voice of God and what word he is leading, to, leading you to apply in your life. Because he has everything you need. So if you, you become more like him, 
He's going to start giving you more that he has, more that he has for you. If you're obtaining things without his character in place first, it's counterfeit. And a lot of us can't wait on it, so we get into debt to get it. And we become a slave. It's a place that Christ doesn't have in us. But he's given us several different ways to get out of debt, and his spirit will do it. All we have to do is cooperate with it. So grace is such a wonderful thing. Because Christ paid the price for that. Let's move on to John 10. John chapter 10, verse uh, 9 and 10. Jesus is saying here, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, you will be saved. And will go in and out and find pasture. Wow. Ever been in the pasture? The breeze is blowing. It's peaceful. You're into a rest. I can come in and out, in and out, and find pasture. Then he says in verse 10, The thief does not come except to kill, steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life, and that they may have life more abundantly. So that's a twofold message there. I have come that you may have life. That's eternal. And have it more abundantly. That's here. The abundant life in Christ here. And that's where a lot of us get frustrated because we can't get to the abundant life in Christ. We, stay, we know we have eternal life, so we just fall asleep in Jesus. We fall asleep in Jesus, knowing that we're going to heaven. But he said, I will give you abundant life. The abundant life is what I mentioned earlier. Those four rivers flowing out of your cardia, which is your mind, your heart, this heart. Let's go on to verse uh, John 14, 16. And this is the way, I had, I had a message already prepared this week, and I sat in the chair this morning, and the Lord started pouring these scriptures into me that I didn't have time to write them out. So there's an order here that he wants to go in for, for this meeting tonight. John 15, 5 says, I am the vine. Uh, was it 14, 16? 14, 16. 14, 16 says, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Well, who is the other helper? No, I said, who is the other helper? He said, I'm going to give you another helper. Y'all can interact. This is, this is not church. We are the church. He said, I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper. So who is the former helper? Right. So he's going to send another helper that he may abide with you forever. So the Holy Spirit can't leave you. Once he comes in, he cannot leave. The Bible says he's a guarantee of your success. Now, if we live by faith, we keep that guarantee in place and active. 
It's in place and it's active. So he said, I'll send the Holy Spirit. He'll be your helper. And he is the guarantee of your success in me. The Holy Spirit will never lead you to success without Christ being in it. He'll never lead you that way. Because the Holy Spirit was sent to point to Christ. He's a witness for Christ. He's, the first, he's got first-hand information that Christ is saying from heaven to us in our spirit. So let's go to John 15, 5. <clears throat> he said, I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. There it is right there. Without him, I can't do anything. Without him, I can't live this blessed, refreshed life. How many know that you can go through the trial and still feel blessed? Through the trial. How many know that you can still go through a trial and have peace? Okay. There's a lot of people going through the trial and don't have peace. Because Jesus said you can't do anything without me. He's the Prince of Peace. So apparently we disconnected from Jesus at some point in the trial and tried to do it our way instead of the way he has already charted that course for us. Amen? So that is the saving faith. Now let's look at, Ze I'm going to turn to Zechariah 4.6. I think that was Zechariah 4.6. Not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Then he goes to John 14.26. He said, but the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all things that I said to you. What did he say to us? He wasn't here. We weren't here when he was here. This is it. This is everything that he said. In fact, there's more that he said, but Revelation says, I think it was in Revelation said that the books cannot contain what he said in that time he was here. Can you imagine? No books can contain what else he said. So what's the Holy Spirit do? He brings everything back to our remembrance that he said. So we get stuff from this Bible that's foundational. Things that he said. That brings us into maturity. Amen. It brings us into maturity. So that is saving faith. You can write down that is the method of operation. The method of operation is believing and confessing. Believing and confessing. Believing and confessing. Believing means to trust in and to be fully convinced of. If you're fully convinced of something, you can trust it. If you're trying to trust something that you're not fully convinced of, you're going to fail. Christ said, obey my word. I mean, obey my voice and apply my word. Obey my voice. Apply my word. Confess means in the Greek, and that's the original meaning of this, 
a binding public declaration by which a legal relation is contractually established. Now I'll say that again. When we confess the word or we confess what God put on our hearts as a promise that he wants to give us, to bless us, he said if you confess it, that means it's a binding public declaration. So when you open your mouth, it's public. By which a legal relation is contractually established. Can you imagine that? So a binding public declaration, a legal relation, that means law. The law of life and peace. That's the legal relation right there. Because when we confessed it out of our mouth, that went right into that law of life and peace. So let's get this. To be fully convinced of the truth and speaking it. Declaring it puts those words into contract. It's your part of the contract. With what, with what Christ has fully provided for us. For, so your words matter. If you need healing, whatever you need, you keep confessing it. You keep declaring it. And you're coming into a legal contract with God. And he's the only one that can't lie. If he says, I will do it, he says, I'll do it. He says, I will sanctify you, spirit, soul, and body. I will do it, he says. So we try to do it and get things messed up. Because we have to walk by faith and not by sight. Your situation right now is temporary. So don't look at your situation. Because if you keep looking at it, it will keep you temporary. You just take note of it and move on by faith. How do you move on by faith? You have to act like it's already done. You have to walk like it's already done. You have to talk like it's already done. That's what faith is. If I'm having problems in, um, in, in my marriage or in my finances or all these things, I'm walking like, there's no problem, even though there is. But it's temporary as long as I can believe and confess. Puts me right into contract with God to fix that problem. That's what he does. He's the God who fixes everything. We try to fix everything, and we mess things up. I've been down that road a long time, and many times. So keep this, get this down. This is very important. Lord, tell them, Lord said, tell them to get this down. Because I had to get it. Because I said, once I believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, that he died for me, and once I confessed it, that he rose from the grave, I thought it was all over with. Now I'm just supposed to meditate on the word and pray and worship. And the Lord said, no, you've got to keep believing. You've got to keep confessing. That's how you keep the spirit in it. Believing and confessing keeps the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the spirit of grace. 
It's the spirit of grace. So when someone says grace, they're talking about the Holy Spirit. So faith activates the Holy Spirit to establish something for you that you can't do. That you can't do. Because we don't have the power to do it. It's his power working through us. And we have to cooperate with his power. So that's how Jesus got in the picture originally. Remember that day? I remember that day when my life lit up like this. The waters were flowing. The sky and everything was green. The sky was blue. I, t I tell everybody this testimony before. I had a red Bronco that I kept polished. It was my idol. And when I went to that church that morning, dead, lost, attempting suicide that morning, and got Jesus, came out of that church, I didn't see that red Bronco. And I had it parked under a big oak tree, keep it protected. All I saw was that oak tree, how beautiful the, uh, the green in that oak tree was and how beautiful the sky was above it. So that's what a true life in Christ is going to happen. Now let's go to act of faith. Act of faith. This is where we got to keep Jesus in the picture is in the trial. And the, this is the hour of trial for the church. God is judging his temple. Okay? He's not judging your spirit because it's already been judged. Christ took on that judgment. But this is the hour, season, that the Lord is judging the temple. And when he shines the light on the temple, guess what happens? Everything that's in the temple starts being manifested. Fear, anger, perversion, love of money, worry, anxiety, relationships, love's not there anymore. Where did it go? I've been ministering to a couple the last 30 days. And I said, well, did you love each other when you came to the altar? When you did your vows, did you love each other? They said, well, yeah, that's right. I love, I love that. I love that person. I don't love this person. I said, where did that person go? Because that's a spirit connection. Well, that person's so buried down here that you're not in touch with that anymore. And it's buried by the busyness of life. The busyness of life. I, I was telling this, this couple, go do something. Spend time together. And that's why they're not here tonight. You see, if we can get caught up in the busyness of life, and cause division in our marriage, then we certainly can get caught up in the busyness of life and cause division between me and Christ. He's called us to worship Him. He's called us to live by faith. If we don't have our needs met, then we're not living by faith because He said, I will meet every need super abundantly Above all, that you can ask or think if you'll just walk in by faith. Faith walking on one side, and out of my obedience, grace is on the other side. 
That's how it's work, how it works. And when something gets hold by life, the Bible says faith just come to an end. Because I don't need faith for that anymore. I didn't need faith for my wife. I've been believing for a wife for 20 years. But when she came, my faith came to an end. Amen? Faith does come. That's why we live from faith to faith. And when we get fully matured in Christ, we will no longer need faith because faith is supposed to point you to Jesus to be like him. And when Jesus has fully matured in us, we don't need faith anymore. We're possessed by him. Amen? That's what we're... And when you speak to someone, when you speak words of healing to someone, or you speak some words of life to someone, and that state right there, they're going to get healed instantly. Whatever they're in, every need's going to be met instantly because the power of life that's in you is coming off your tongue. So act of faith. Let's look at act of faith. Romans 5, 3 through 5. Romans 5, 3 through 5. It says, and not only that, but we also glory in tribulation. Knowing that tribulation produces perseverance, which means patience. And patience produces character. And character hope. And now hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured into our hearts by the Holy Spirit that was given to us. Now, when you talk about tribulation, it says we're supposed to glory in tribulation. So the Greek interpretation of tribulation is trouble, pressures. Anguish, burden, persecuted, crushed, compressed, squeezed, agitated, disturbed, suffering. We're supposed to glory in this. What does glory mean? We are to glory in our tribulation. Well, the only one that has glory is Christ. So we're, we're supposed to hold on to Christ so we can glory in his glory. And this, as it passes through, this passes. Thank God that it passes. And when it passes through, and we pass through it, we come into a level, another level of maturity in Christ. And the only way that we come to another level of maturity in Christ is we have to take on more of his character. And then the power of God descends upon that. And now we can rule and reign with him. So hope does not disappoint. Because the love of God was poured in through the saving faith. The love of God was poured in, and it never leaves. So hope never leaves. Hope never disappoints. If we have disappointing hope, then Christ, the hope of glory, is not in us. Because that hope is always going to be there. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 13. <clears throat> 2 Corinthians 4, 7 through 13. That's probably the one Lee read earlier. 2 Corinthians 4. Yep. 
But we have this treasure in earthen vessels. What is the treasure? Grace. The Holy Spirit. The life of God. That the excellence of that power may be of God and not of us. How many of times have we tried to use our power in the tribulation? How many times have we tried to use our power in the dark hour? When we couldn't see God, can't feel God, he seems so distant. How many times have we had to step in with our power and just made the darkness worse? Made it darker. Extended the season of the trial longer than we should have experienced it. If we keep the power in it, this is what happens. We are hard-pressed on every side. We are not crushed because the power is resurrecting. Perplexed but not in despair because the power is resurrecting. Persecuted but not forsaken because the power is resurrecting. Struck down but not destroyed because the power is resurrecting. Why is it resurrecting? What's causing it to resurrect? Faith. Faith. Faith resurrects grace. Faith resurrects grace. So it says we are always carrying about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus Christ. That the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our bodies. Death, burial, resurrection taking place in these passages. You see it? For we who live are always delivered to death. Now when he says we who live, he's talking about a regenerated spirit man. That man, that little man, on the inside, the Christ man on the inside is going to be constantly delivered over to death. Because it says life. For Jesus' sake. That the life of Jesus may also be manifested in another level. Follow this pattern. I'm going to go down to 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 18. And it says, Therefore do not lose heart. What does heart mean? When you, when you, talk, when you look at the Bible, it talks about heart. In the Greek, and you have to, that's why you've got to look at the Greek because it's the original uh, interpretation. This heart, the heart of my spirit. Then we have the heart here, it's called the cardia, which is my soul, my mind. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart. This is where we get wore out. We don't get wore out here. Grace will never wear you out. We get wore out here. Because why? Let me go on. Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. So and even in a marriage, if the outward man is perishing on me, but not my wife, because it's different seasons, then there's going to be a conflict if I let it or she lets it. If we get focused on what's dying and not what's coming alive, 
after the burial, then we'll stay in that dying season for a long time. Yet our inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Now Paul, the Apostle Paul is calling it a light affliction. He's calling tribulation a light affliction. Well, I said, well, Lord, that's great for the Apostle Paul. Because he was called to affliction, so it was his life. So it was, he, was, he was happy in affliction. So every time it got worse, it was, just, it was light for him. But for us, our light affliction, which is, not, which is but for a moment. Now, how long is a moment? A breath. A breath. It's how long tribulation is supposed to be in our life. But see, tribulation begins here, ends here. Tribulation begins here, ends here. Tribulation ends. Tribulation ends. Tribulation begins here. If we stay here, then this goes like this. The season gets long. And Jesus said, well, you got to go back where you left off. He doesn't, he doesn't shorten the season. A friend of mine, uh, I've known him for a long time. And I said, listen, you have to guard your tongue. Because every time you speak, and it's not seasoned with grace, then you're extending your season. And God just didn't pick you up from there. And move you forward. You got to go back and reclaim all that ground. That's why he sends mercy every day. Because mercy is a spirit from Christ that's sent for a person who is in desperate need. That's what mercy's for. It's sent to help. So our light affliction, which is working but for a moment, is working for us. So your tribulation is working for you. A far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. That's Christ. So we do not look at the things that are seen. That's what I was saying earlier. When the old man starts perishing, don't keep your eyes on the old man. Don't keep your eyes on your old ways. Don't keep your eyes on fear, the fearful man, the angry man that God is trying to deliver out of your life. Don't, don't keep your eyes on, on poverty and lack that God is trying to deliver off your life. Because that's not what you're called to in Christ. But he's giving instruction here. He says, we do not look at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen. So listen. If you can't see it, then you can believe that it's the opposite of what you're seeing with the natural eye. So if you see yourself in lack, then the opposite is going to be abundance. If you see yourself sick, then the opposite is going to be healing. Are we getting this? So in the, in the trial, don't look at the thing that's temporary. Yes, and that's what it says. The latter part of that verse, it says, but the things, 
Uh, it says, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. It's in another verse. It's in Romans. And I think I'm going to be getting to that. It says, you're supposed to call those things that are not as though they're supposed to be. There's that confession. And, and in Hebrews, it says, Jesus Christ is the what? High priest over my confession. It's not, he's not the high priest over anything else. He says he's the high priest over my confession. What does a priest do? Serves. So whatever I'm confessing and declaring the way it should be, Christ steps in as my priest and begins to serve that confession to cause it to come to pass. Isn't that beautiful? And that's in, in, in Hebrews. He is the high priest over my confession. He's the high priest. So he's the, he's, he, what he's doing, he is serving the contract. Jesus Christ is the administrator of the contract. The Holy Spirit is the worker of the contract. The Father is the giver of what's in the contract. So we put the administrator in place, Jesus Christ, when we start confessing the things that are not as though they should be. If you know that something is yours because Christ put it in your heart and said, gave you a promise, then it's already done. When it leaves heaven, it is already done. He said, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, right here, then you ask whatever you want and I will do it for you by the Father is glorified by this. Why is it so hard to get the word in here? I always know when somebody starts praying if they have the word in them or not. Because they should be praying out the word. Because it's the only thing that doesn't return void. Amen? The Bible says it's sent and goes and prospers in the thing that that word says it's supposed to do. And it comes back, not void. It's coming back with the fruit. All we are is partakers of fruit. We are fruit partakers. We're going we're gonna to partake of bad fruit or we're going to partake of good fruit. Because he said, life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it, because you're speaking it, you'll partake of that fruit. And that's probably circumstantial fruit. All right, let's move on. I've got to move on here. Whew, just not enough time. We're going to go to, uh, I think we've done enough on act of faith. I want, to, I want to stay on active faith for just a second. This is what you're not supposed to do. Because the power of your tongue keeps faith active. The power of your tongue will keep fear active. Proverbs 18.21 says, 18, says, Death and life are in the power of the tongue. I'm, this little tongue right here is holding God's power. Isn't that amazing? 
the, the God that created you and me with such wisdom and created the world, he is sitting on my tongue. And my tongue is holding that power. And it says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Well, if you're speaking it, you must love it. You're putting it in law. It's becoming a law. And what do laws do? They enforce the fruit of that word to come to pass. So, your tongue should be speaking faith and not fear. Proverbs 17, 21. This is something that happens also. He who has a perverse tongue falls into evil. Falls into evil. Now, that, a perverse tongue is someone that curses all the time. Or one time. It's all it takes to fall into evil. Because we reap what we sow. Proverbs 18.7 says, A fool's mouth is his destruction, and his lips are the trouble of his mind. His lips are the trouble of his soul. So if my, if, if my soul, if my mind is full of fear and anxiety and worry, perplexed, and all these things when I know it's not supposed to be, because the treasure of life is in me, then I've said something for, to keep my mind in trouble. You see how this works? There's only two kingdoms. is the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. And both of them need your tongue. Because words frame your word, world. If you've got a messed up family, it's going to be messed up because you framed it with your words. If you've got a marriage in trouble and it's messed up, you framed it with your words. But grace can always rescue. So when you're ministering, if somebody's got a messed up mind, just tell them, hey, don't speak the things that you used to say. Or your mind's going to continue to be messed up. You're, if you're in the kingdom, it is a worry-free kingdom. Right? All through the Gospels, Christ said, don't worry, don't worry, don't worry. I'll provide, I'll provide, I'll provide. He's going to provide all your necessities, food, clothing, shelter. He lists them. And those have to be satisfied before you can enter into the kingdom inheritance, and that's the abundance of Christ. Because if you don't have more than enough, how in the world are you going to help somebody else? How in the world, how are you going to meet somebody's need that Christ called you to? Because Christ will call you to somebody's need. You've got to have more than enough to help them. Proverbs 13, 13 says, He who despises the word of God will be destroyed, but he who fears the word of God will be rewarded. Isn't that beautiful? How do you fear the word? It says to hate evil. That's how you fear the, fear the word, is to hate evil. And God will reward you. Proverbs 13, 2 says, A man shall eat well by the fruit of his mouth, but the soul of the unfaithful feeds on violence. Well, I've been dealing with some unfaithful souls that feed on violence. So unfaithful means faithless. That means they are 
Their faith is in fear. And the last one is, Proverbs 21.2 says, Whoever guards his mouth and tongue keeps his soul from trouble. So you don't have to go through tribulation. It's what comes out of our mouth that throws us into trial. Because something's in us that's speaking through us, and the trial is supposed to get rid of the other voice, the other thought that we're engaging in, because that's all we do is engage in thoughts. Because what we, what we receive, we speak. And then it, it goes into action. No more tribulation after tonight, right? After tonight, we're going to be speaking the right stuff. Amen. He's called you to peace, not, not strife. He's, he's called you to, to peace and not fear. Peace is, uh, let me tell you what peace is. It is a rest. A rest. See if some of you can relate to this. This is what he's called you to. The only reason he calls you to a trial is because of what you said. Because if you let the work work from the inside out, the work does it. The word does it from the inside out. Quietness. It's quietness in our, in our mind. Freedom. Mental calmness. Stillness. Silence. Peace. That's the fruit of the faith. That's the fruit of faith-filled words. So you see the difference between that and trial and tribulation. This is something the Lord said to do in trial. He said, disobedience keeps you working for the blessing. Obedience keeps, you, keeps him working to get the blessing to you. Obedience got... Obedience, disobedience will keep you in the trial to keep you from the blessing. Obedience will bring you through the trial into his rest. The trial is for his right standing and access to God to occupy my mind. All right? Last thing. Conquering faith. I'm going to go back to John 10.10 10 real quick. <clears throat> the first verse. John 10.10. 10. Well, I can quote it. It says, The thief comes to nothing but to kill, steal, and destroy, but I have come to give life and give life more abundantly. Now, the abundant life is where the conquering faith has to come in. You can't get to that abundant life unless the conquering faith has come. In fact, I'm going to read something in, uh, that will kind of give you a better understanding of that. When he says abundant, he's talking about superabundant. This is the Greek interpretation. Excessive, overflowing, surplus, over, above, more than enough, extraordinary, above the ordinary, more than sufficient. Abundant life. That means God's covenant to us is a covenant for abundant life. This is coming out of the Greek. It, 
from, from the very beginning of time, Scripture shows us that God wanted us to be happy and prosperous. In Genesis, we are told that, that, the God, that God made everything and declared it to be good. Then he gave this beautiful, plentiful, plentiful earth to Adam, and Adam had dominion, dominion over it. So God's plan from the beginning was for a man to be enriched and to have a prosperous, abundant life. So here Jesus declares his intention to recover and to restore that life. That mapped out, was mapped out by the Father to break the block, to break and block the devil's intent to hinder our receiving it. The only way the devil can stop you is when you bow down, down to him in the trial. The only way the devil can stop you is when you look at the circumstance in the trial instead of declaring and decreeing the opposite of that circumstance. When we do that, the enemy's under our feet. John 7, 14. John 7, 14. And we all know this one. Uh, it's not John 7, 14. Let's see what. John 7. Oh. Actually, it's John 8, 32 and 36. And that says, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. We've heard a lot of truth tonight. Amen? And if we apply this truth, it will make you free. If we don't apply it, it can't make you free. It says, therefore, the Son makes you free. You shall be in free indeed. So keep the Son in it. How do you keep the sun in it? Faith. Faith keeps Jesus alive in it. The Father of eternal glory. I'm going to go to, to another scripture, 2 Corinthians 6, 18. If you're not writing these down, then you, you should get the CD because this flow came from heaven this morning. This, this is what, what conquering faith does. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters. See, we are children, but not yet sons and daughters. Because it says, those who are led by the Spirit are the sons of God. So if we're led by the Spirit, we're going to be walking by faith. And we become sons of God like Christ is a son of God because we, we become like him. And James 1.17 is the last verse and then we'll close it. James 1.17. I, I love, love this one. It says, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above comes down from the Father of light in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. Richard remembered when he got that good gift that came down from the Father of light. Now keep, keep in mind, 
God is a spirit. So in his spirit is the power that holds all good things. So when Rima came into Richard's life, he received that good and perfect gift in whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. That means he will never have to worry about her. Same thing with my wife. She was a good gift that came down, perfect gift from heaven. Whom there's no, that's what conquering faith leads you into. Conquering faith leads you into a relationship with the Father that Jesus has established through faith and obedience. So if the anointing is still working, then he's still got some stuff to clean up. If the Father's presence is on your life, then the cleanup's done, and you're in divine communication. And how do you know the Father's there? You're at perfect peace all the time. Nothing's moving you, nothing's shaking you. You're supposed to be like a rock. Amen? So listen, we can lay hands on people, we can do all this stuff, but I'm telling you, this hour that God is moving right now, He wants us to get it. And He gave us the model tonight to keep believing and keep confessing until it appears. Because when we believe and we confess, He does. That's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to perform it. Amen? Well, let's sow into the Lord tonight. Because the word says, sow into the Lord. And what happens when you sow into the Lord, you're sowing into his life. And what it says is, what you sow into, you reap. So if I sow into his life, I'm going to reap life where life is not. It's going to target that area right there. And death is resurrected by his life. I thank God that the children stay in here too. Because, believe me, they're hearing. They may not understand it, but these are seeds going into their little spirits. And you'd be surprised how Kaylee and Cohen can, can talk about God. And, I mean... Cohen, I'm not going to say what he wrote last time. But you can picture this. I was ministering out, God will shut down Satan. And guess what he wrote? Working on spelling. He understood it. <laughs> now you're getting it, right? See, see, we don't serve a religious Jesus. He has fun. He loves to have fun. In fact, he probably moved on him to write it that way so we could laugh about it. I don't want a stingy old stiffed up Jesus. I want to laugh. He has a great sense of humor. He's full of joy. He says it's the full, he's the fullness of joy. So, Cohen, you didn't do anything wrong, buddy. Just don't pass it out. It's done. Let me, let me close us in prayer. Amen. Let's bow our heads, please. Father, I thank you for the word tonight. 
I thank you that your words, words are living and they're powerful and they're sharper than any two-edged sword. That they pierce tonight to the, even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and marrow. And they are a discerner of the thoughts and the intents of the heart. I thank you that we are the sons and daughters of God. I thank you that, Father, that you drew us to Jesus. The Word of God says if the Father doesn't draw us to Jesus, nobody can. So I thank you for the rebirth, regeneration that we have. And I thank you for your love, your comfort, your blessing, your divine protection, that we don't have to worry because we are in a worry-free kingdom. We have divine protection. And as the world has fallen apart, the church will rise up and run to the true church who has the answers. And the answer is Christ, the, the real Jesus Christ of Nazareth, who is a life-giving spirit that blesses us. So, Father, I bless in the name of Jesus all the ones that came tonight. I bless them, Lord, and ask that you would just possess them with the spirit of wisdom and revelation to the knowledge of you, Lord, and that the eyes of their understanding would be enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling and the riches of the glory of your inheritance in them and what is the exceeding greatness of your power towards them who believes according to the working of your mighty power. I bless them with those scriptures. And I know that you honor them because we speak them in faith. And they will not return void. They will accomplish what they were sent to do. Crown them with your love tonight. Crown them with your blessings tonight, your power tonight to overcome in the dark hour when it comes, knowing that they can speak to that darkness, light, and pass through it. In Jesus' name, we give you praise and honor and glory tonight. Amen. Thank you. Let's give him some praise.